Hello, and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you let go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today, we're talking about letting go of fear. I'm good too. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. (laughs) But I know that you're not the biggest fan. Right. The good news is it's not actually Halloween today. I know. The day we're recording this, so I don't have to think about it. But but, um, (laughs) but since we're publishing on Halloween, yeah, it's not my favorite. It's like little children come to your house begging. I don't don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they're so cute. They are actually cute. I will. I, that is true. And in St. Louis, there's a tradition that's starting to fade away, but there is a tradition that children have to tell a joke in order to get a piece of candy. So, really? Mm-hmm. Or usually, usually it's a riddle. And yeah. Uh, so usually we demand one. Uh-huh. It used to be 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I moved here, kids would just blurt out their joke. But now you have to, like, make them say it <laughs> yeah, and and they do it yeah and it's funny so but it, it's how you know I don't like Halloween yet I do give out candy every year and right. there are not that many houses on our street that do but um we have a tradition of where with our next door neighbors and we have big porches and we drink cocktails and give out candy and that's nice it sounds nice doesn't it yeah, it, well, it would have, be nicer in in a different month when it was the yeah. weather. Were, yeah. yeah, people that I don't understand are the ones who make their houses really scary, and who like scare the living daylights out of children. I don't I don't understand enjoying that. Um, kids like it. Oh, kids like to be scared. Oh, and the kids I, who don't 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 like to be scared don't go to those houses. How interesting. So, okay, that's that's interesting. Because I, I, I never liked to be scared as a child, so I can't even like, uh-huh. wrap my mind around that. But <laughs> in, in uh, these one neighbors, they don't live there anymore. Their houses wouldn't be particularly scary looking. Uh-huh. Yet they would like hide in the bushes and jump out in scary masks. Oh, God. I know, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Yeah. And we live really close to the street, right? A busy street. Right. And um, we don't have big front yards. And children, I was sure somebody was going to get hit by a car because children were running screaming into the street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the kids like it. That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. Well, and now that they're too old to go trick-or-treating, what they want to do is go to the haunted houses. Oh, yeah. And they love it. Yeah. They love um, getting scared. Okay. Yeah, I would never go to a haunted house. Though I do enjoy watching those episodes of, the, of Ellen DeGeneres' show where where oh, she's scared. Her to a haunted yeah. house. <laughs> that is really funny. 
<laughs> and and I mean, I think this is all relevant because you know we are talking about fear, but I, I have to tell you, do you remember when I went with the kids in that? Um, ride at a carnival in Paris that was like the scary house, like the house of horrors or something like that. Do you remember this? Yeah. Well, so it was one of those things where like you sit in the little, in a car and there's, you know, Uh like four cars or something and then you go through and, and so we're like going through and it's kind of jerking around these corners and, and we go, we're going through this and it's like the most boring thing ever there's like a video of something scary and there's like some lights flashing (laughs) and there's like a curtain that moves and and you know we're like halfway through it's like this is absurd like this is the stupidest thing I've ever done and then we go it's it was the the ride was sort of divided in half and so that was like the first half and then we go through these doors and go into the second half and the doors open up and there is a man hitting metal bars with a machete so hard it's sparking and (laughs) from then on the three of us were terrified and i have like i was screaming bloody murder we all weren't they like touched you like someone ran their fingers through my hair i was shrieking and had tears running down my face and then we finally come out the other side and we're all hysterical and um mike and elliot were waiting for us and they were laughing so hard and there was a crowd of like 30 people because apparently you could hear our screams quite far (laughs) and everybody wanted to see where we were coming from and we came out we like spill out of the car and we're all like so hysterical we can't talk and there's somewhere i'll have to see if i can find it but there is a video of me like laughing and crying and saying how scary it was and like and I was literally hysterical like it took I don't know how long to recover from that whole thing it was insane yeah and that that's a a funny story to recount but at the time were you more was it there was there more laughter or more tears oh inside of that room I thought we were gonna die like, okay. I'm like, well, they can't kill us, but it sure seems like they're going to try. Oh, my God. Like, and it was oh, <laughs> it was terrifying. And then how long before, uh, after you got out into the light of day, did it seem funny? How long did it take for it to be funny? Well, it was sort of funny when we got out. Like, you know, we're fine, but it was, just, it was so terrifying. So it's like, oh, God, I hope I can find this video because I'm like laughing and crying at the same time, but it's just in pure hysterics. Right. And then Mike and Elliot are like practically rolling on the ground laughing at us. They think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and all these other people are laughing, and so then it like starts to become funny pretty quickly. But it took a while for my heart rate to come down. Yeah, goodness gracious. Well, goodness, that's really not the kind of fear we're talking about. I don't think in this episode. It's not the kind of fear we're talking about. But the strange thing is that physiologically, 
that's what your body is doing when you have the kind of fear that we're talking about. Right. Like, wow. Yeah. So your body is responding in the same way, you know, pumping out those um, stress hormones and, and um, you know, gearing you up to <laughs> run for your life in case, right. you know, the they machete will trying to kill you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that's part of the problem with fear is that, um, you know, when you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, like our, our brains and bodies don't know the difference of whether it's something we're thinking or if it's something that's actually happening out in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you, um, you know, people talk a lot about chronic stress and how it can cause health issues. And that's part of the reason why. Right. And it's why fear is so powerful. It's such a powerful demotivator or whatever. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's why it's so important to start um, learning how you can let go of fears so that you can do more of what you love. And and we were talking about this um, before we started recording as one of the... Um, things that's behind perfectionism that Mm -hmm. that a lot of people who have perfectionistic tendencies there's some fear that's associated with it and sometimes if you it might take you a while to sort of dig down this deep but it's it feels like survival how do you mean please elaborate i mean (laughs) i mean that the the when you dig down to what the fear is, the fear is that if you aren't perfect, then you will be kicked out of the tribe, you'll be kicked out of the community, and you won't have what you need to survive. Oh, so, right. So, caveman times. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Um, well, that makes having perfectionistic tendencies feel very understandable. Yeah. Yeah, and why it's so hard to let go of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it feels like, you know, even if it does, if you don't know this consciously, but if somewhere deep down it feels literally like life or death, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to let it go. And can so... Can your conscious yeah. mind, if you think about it and rationally understand that it's not life or death, can your conscious mind overcome the survival mode that your unconscious mind is in? Absolutely. I think that's part of it. And that's, um, you know, rem- reminding yourself that you're okay mm-hmm. and that um, good enough is okay and that you will still be good uh, okay if you if you do something well and en- i i keep wanting to say good enough but it's not <laughs> proper <laughs> but well enough doesn't english <laughs> well enough doesn't sound right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> if you do something in a good enough way mm-hmm. that that is um that you will be okay mm-hmm. and that you don't have to be perfect to stay safe Right. And it's, it strikes me that asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen? 
mm-hmm. and being able to honestly answer that. And when, especially when the worst that can happen comes across as either not that bad or um, highly unlikely, uh, right? That could be helpful in perhaps in letting go of those fears. I think it wor- that works for me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to address it. Um, is by addressing it head on, mm-hmm. and instead of like trying to talk yourself out of the fear, just being like okay, what am I afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? Right, right, right. Um, oh, shoot, something zipped through my head, and then it left again. Oh, well, sorry. It'll come back to me, and I'll interrupt you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> well, and one of the other things you can do is recognize that the most uncomfortable part of the fear, like when you have that fear, it doesn't last very long. Um, I had always heard that sort of the, the physiology, the biology of an emotion um, lasts 90 seconds if you don't sort of put any more fuel on the fire. If you just have like, you have a fear and you sort of let those sensations flow through your body without thinking more about the fear it'll be gone in 90 seconds um but i have since read that it doesn't even last that long Hmm. but either way allowing yourself to feel that um feel that feeling to feel that fear for just a moment and recognize that it's over pretty quickly Mm -hmm. uh that also helps Right, so because an alternative might be to try to tamp down the fear, push it away, mm-hmm. and then never proceed past it. Right? Am I right. understanding you correctly? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good point. And I know what I was going to say before, which is it seems like a first step is being conscious of the fear. I mean, if these are like deep-seated fears. Um, it might even be hard to recognize it as a fear if you're reluctant, for example, to do something. Or you're Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and th- this is one of my, um, I do free writing in the mornings. And this is um, one of the questions I ask myself is, what am I afraid will happen if I do this or if I don't do this? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then, so then you write out the fear, making it a conscious thing. Mm-hmm. And then what? Then what? Well, usually that does a lot towards, um, I don't want to say disintegrating, but um, really sort of taking the charge out of it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, more often than not, the fear is, the, you know, whatever I'm afraid of happening is highly unlikely or as you said before, if it does happen, it's you know something I can manage. Mm-hmm. The next thing that jumped in my head is I was thinking about my clients, many of whom are afraid to let go of stuff, even mm-hmm. though they're motivated to let go of stuff, they've set a goal of letting go of stuff, they know why it's important to them to let go of stuff, but then they have this fear sometimes of letting it go for fear of regret, fear of uh, I think the real fear is that they're going to, they think they've never used it, but they think they're going to need it. And then they're yes. going to feel terrible if they have yes. let it go. And um, 
So uh, what I typically, if I'm trying to talk them through that, I'll mm-hmm. ask, well, what's, you know, if you needed to replace it, could you? Most of my clients are you know, investing a certain amount of money in working with me, and most of them have some disposable income, and they can afford to let it go or replace it. I mean, and um, and also, what's the likelihood? Really, what's the likelihood that you're going to need it? Uh, right. If it's not been needed all this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, there've been times when I've been pretty broke and have held on to things for just that reason. Like mm-hmm. I sh- I should keep this because I might need it and I can't afford to replace it. Right. Um and you know, for situations like that, that's where I made a deal with myself. Well, okay, I'll keep it for, you know, 3 months, 6 months, whatever and or, you know, Till next season and if I don't use it then I'll get rid of it and do you usually follow through with that yeah mm-hmm. um, now I just get rid of stuff right <laughs> right because you have more disposable income right. I have more disposable income and so it's like well if I need to replace it I, I'll just replace it right and the end probably you're not needing to replace it I have, uh, there have been very, very few things where I'm like, I wish I would have kept that. I know. I agree. I get rid of stuff all the time. And I can't, I'm sure I have experienced that, but I can't think of a time I've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. So that fear, it's very real. I mean, it feels very real. And um, sometimes it can be dispelled by uh, taking it, on and really thinking about uh, the likelihood or the importance of being mm-hmm. wrong about it. Yeah. Right. Well, and then, you know, that's the other thing you can you can do is put your focus on the benefits of getting rid of it. Right. Um, and the thing and I, we've talked about this and this is the thing that helps me the most is to, you know, if I donate something to imagine someone being thrilled to find it at the thrift store. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful, I think. It, that it, yeah. it, my clients respond to that as well. Yeah, like, um, you know, when I'm, when I, because like you, I love buying secondhand clothes, and when I find, like, the perfect thing, it's such a thrill, I love it. And so I think of someone, like, having that response, and that, and we just had to go through getting rid of um, some more of my mom's things. And, um, and as we were getting rid of stuff, uh, I kept thinking, like, oh, this is going to make someone so happy. <laughs> nice. Like, you know, like, oh, this is a really good thing, and it's going to make someone so happy when they find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I have to tell my clients sometimes that letting go of it now, especially when it's a, a article of clothing or technology, letting go of it now is way more likely to make somebody happy than hanging on to it for another year and then letting it go. Right. When it becomes especially technology when it's become mm-hmm. outdated. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a card on my bulletin board that I picked up somewhere that says everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I find that inspirational in terms of um, going forward with ideas and so forth and trying not to be afraid of trying new stuff and so forth. Right. 
Yeah, and it's so true. And the thing, this is sort of to go back to another point we were just talking about, is that fear, like getting through that fear to get to the thing you want, it's like the pain of that fear, if there is in fact any, is pretty quick and short and over soon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. the... You just it's have to get the, past it. Yeah, it's the um, analogy of the invisible fence i think we've talked about that on the podcast before yeah i think we have the The electronic um, fences that people use to keep their dogs contained yes and so the dog wears a collar and they get shocked and then they stay away from the perimeter where they get shocked and but the thing is um if you go through it then you don't get shocked anymore. You get that one shock, <laughs> but once you go through it, you're free. That's right. Don't tell the dogs that. <laughs> That's right. Smart dogs figure that out. And then, or, or you know, in the case of dogs, it's not a great analogy for this, but they don't want to come back in, right? Because they're going to get shocked right. again. It's a problematic containment system. But it is in terms of an analogy for yes. what we're talking about, yeah, it's a good one. Just get through it, and then everything you want is over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so and I and I think you made a really good point a, a moment ago of the fact that it may not be readily apparent that fear is underneath um a lot of these issues of perfectionism. Mhm. Um so taking the time to explore that and discover what fears underlie it and more often than not it does it feels like an issue of safety um, Mm -hmm. for these sort of deep-seated fears um, to explore that and you know you can do something like asking yourself if it's true simple Um, as that yeah yeah if the if the safety issue is a true safe is truly an issue of safety is that what you mean yeah right Mm mm-hmm Right, like I'm trying to think of an example. Um, usually it takes a few steps to get there. So um, what might someone not do because of perfectionism? Uh, start a podcast. Right. So, um, you know, what? what, why wouldn't you start a podcast? Like what's the fear underneath of that? Right. I might make a laughing stock of myself. And and um, what are you afraid would happen if you were made a laughing stock of? Uh, my professional reputation would be in the shambles. And if your professional reputation was in the shambles, what would that mean? No one would hire me. Thankfully, we didn't actually have this conversation before we started. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't really care. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. This is all fake. But yeah, I mean, that's something someone could say, I would think. Yeah. And so you get at that where you see like someone, they're tying some huge thing. So is it true that if your podcast isn't successful, that your career would be in a shambles? And you'll become homeless. Right. And then when you when it's phrased that way, you think, well, that's kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, got it. So is it true? Yeah. yeah, I like it. That's I bet you work with clients on these kinds of things all the time. Oh, a lot, and yeah. and it's really sort of surprising to to realize 
how much fear controls our everyday life. Mm. Yeah. You know, even from the most mundane tasks, you know, that your people need to make phone calls. Like I have this come up with clients all the time. Like they need to make a phone call. They need to call the insurance agent or they need to call the doctor or the dentist or something. Dentists seem to be a big one because people <laughs> have a tendency to put that off and then uh-huh. not want to go. And it's like, well, you know, so what are you afraid will happen if you call the dentist? Oh, they'll yell at me for not having been there for two years. Like, how likely is that to really happen? And will delaying the call make that <laughs> make that uh, fear go away? Right. I don't think so. so like, <laughs> if you're afraid of being yelled at for not going. Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you uncover the fear and then look at it from a rational place, it can help you sort of um, pull apart the the threads that make it difficult to to take action on. Right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like you're stripping it bare. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I can imagine. I know I hate making phone calls, so I can imagine that. I, I, I know we have talked about that. <laughs> You've helped me with that. <laughs> um, so I can imagine that comes up a lot. That's interesting. Which reminds me that, uh-huh. like, what really sort of initiated our friendship was you picking up the phone and making a phone call. Oh, like I really funny. didn't realize how big of a deal that was for you to have done that. Well, back in the day, we had fewer ways to communicate, so I was talking on the phone more. But yeah, that's true. We, you, you and I had an email relationship. Something happened yeah. that I thought you needed. You might want to talk to a sympathetic ear, and so I called you. Right. Yeah, that is that's so, nice. Yeah. yeah. The other day, thanks we for got picking a, up the phone. Oh, I'm so glad I did. That was a smart day. Um, <laughs> we I got a uh, we got a collection notice the other day from a, um, a, a from a collection agency that said that um, uh, that big hospital in town had had turned our bill over to them and that we owed fifteen thousand ninety nine dollars for some hand surgery that Barry had three years ago. <laughs> like, oh my god, what? And I'm proud to say that I had no problem getting on the phone to try to clear that up where I learned that we, well, first I was able to look up the records and see what we owed, which was never $15,000. It was $1,200 that we paid. And then Uh um, I just learned that we owe zero. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But I, I, I was just thinking as you were talking, if I had been afraid to make that call, which would not have... Which is possible. I mean, I really don't like making calls. Um, right. That could have just added so much stress and fear to my life with this thing hanging over my head. Um, and, that, and it was the kind of deal where these letters are horrible because they tell you if you don't respond within 30 days to dispute it, then it's assumed to be legitimate. I mean, it's right. It's a horrible predatory thing, I, I guess. I don't even know. Yeah, but, it's they're awful. Yeah. So anyway, um, thankfully, I didn't have any fear of making that call. But that would be that would be so easy to be something to put off mm-hmm. out of fear. Right. It would just make things worse. Yeah. But if I had been afraid, I'd have called you and you would have helped me through it. That's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to think if there's like a benign sort of perfectionistic thing that has a bigger fear 
underneath of it. Um, and since I happen to be sitting in my kitchen recording this, I mean my high-tech studio. <laughs> right, that's what you meant. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, and by kitchen I mean high-tech recording studio. Um, no, by high-tech recording studio you mean kitchen. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I So I'm thinking about, you know, I haven't talked about it in a while, but the whole, like, keeping the kitchen clean thing and I, that I, was I was hoping that's where you were going uh-huh. yeah <laughs> I don't know where else I would have gone that could be I, well that's true uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I was thinking about was and it's sort of hard because I'm so far removed from that now um but thinking back to how like it used to feel really stressful to me and I'm trying to think like so what was underneath of that and I think it, it, you know, that like in some weird way, once you dig deep enough, it's sort of like where you went with the podcasting thing. It's like, well, if my kitchen is dirty, then, you know, what if someone saw it? And if someone saw it, they would think bad things about me. And if they thought bad things about me, then I will have no friend. You know, it's like basically you <laughs> end up you know, living On under a bridge. That's where I yeah. ended up with the podcast. That's where all, that's apparently the big fear. Yeah, isn't yeah. that interesting? The whole idea of you not having any friends makes me laugh. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's really sweet. <laughs> it was sincere. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, that's, that's what I mean about how when you dig deep enough, these are fears of survival. Mm-hmm. And getting getting somehow booted out of the group, booted mm-hmm. out of the tribe, or you know, booted out of the village. Right. So, so the, is there a first step, if we, a takeaway for folks, if if they listen and then realize that there's fear behind a behavior, what's the what's the question to ask themselves? So, first of all, is I think the the place where this is really I mean, if you if you already recognize that there is a fear, this is helpful. But even before that, if there's something that you're feeling really stuck on that you feel very perfectionistic about, um, and either you're not doing it or you're really struggling to do it, um, that's a good place to start to explore what the fear is underneath mm-hmm. of that. And so, um, and just asking yourself, you know, what am I afraid will happen if I do this? Or what am I afraid will happen if I don't do this? Mm -hmm. You know, depending on which way makes more sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And I love that you, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then just keep asking yourself the question until you get to, you know, sort of that really deeper level fear that is probably going to be about safety or survival. Drill down to it. Yeah, I, I was going to say I like that you do this every every day. It sounds like you ask yourself this question all the time. I ask myself, yeah, I do ask myself regularly because mm-hmm. you know if I'm not doing something, then then there probably is something underneath of it. Unless, of course, it's just a new habit and I haven't made solidified it yet. And then there could be no deeper reason why I'm not doing it mm-hmm. other than it's not a habit. But um, uh, 
Yeah, and then when you get to this deeper thing, then asking yourself, you know, is is it true? Is it true that if I record a podcast that's not great, you know, I'm going to end up, you know, losing my business and being penniless? Or is it true that if I don't make sure the kitchen is cleaned up properly, whatever that means, that I'm going to have, you know, no friends? Mm-hmm. You can also really sort helpful. of, yeah, you can also sort of skip. Another way to, to get at that is... Um, uh, it just went through my head and kept going. <laughs> Good thing neither of us has a fear of forgetting words while we're recording. Right, since each of us has done it in this episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. Might be a good time to stop. I think so. So... <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about fear? No, I've found this very interesting and beneficial. Oh, good. Um, so we want to hear from you, our listeners. Um, what are your fears that um, are underneath the, your perfectionistic tendencies? And what have you done to work through those? You can let us know, uh, leave a voicemail at 413-424-GTGE, that's 4843, on our website in the show notes at gettingtogoodenough.com, on Facebook and Instagram, we're at gettingtogoodenough, and on Twitter, we're gtgenough. But for now, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. I really hope I can find that video. I hope so too. I want to see it. (laughs) It makes me laugh and cry just thinking about it. (laughs)